It's time to get up and get your day started. Morant. Oh! A jawbreaker! It's Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The first hour of Sports 56 Mornings is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Now, here are your hosts, Greg and Eli. Get up every morning That was fun last night. If you stayed up and watched the Grizzlies and the Pelicans in New Orleans, what a game. Went extra time and an overtime win for the Grizzlies for their fourth consecutive win since the return of John Morant. That's just one of the stories we'll be talking about today here on Sports 56 Mornings as we welcome you in on this Wednesday, December 27th, 2023. Counting down the final days of 2023. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you. We are in the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, it's where family and fun come together. 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. And the first hour of the program is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware. Currently 37 degrees at 701. We're looking at a partly cloudy and chilly day with a high reaching just 51 degrees. Mostly cloudy skies tonight with a low dipping down to about 31. And then for your Thursday, partly cloudy with a high of 44 degrees. On the program today, as I mentioned, we'll talk Grizzlies and NBA. Ryan Silverfield joins us at 725, University of Memphis football coach. The Tigers gearing up for Friday's AutoZone Liberty Bowl game, 2.30 kickoff against Iowa State at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. We'll talk to the coach about his preparation, his team's preps, his thoughts on the game, his thoughts on the portal and everything that's going on recruiting-wise for the University of Memphis football program. At 8.05, Andy Borman joins us, Memphis Tigers assistant basketball coach. The Tigers players and coaches uh, back in the fold today as they return to practice and get ready for Saturday's final non-conference game as they'll take on Austin P at FedEx Forum. We'll talk to Andy about the 19th-ranked Tigers. At 8.25, we turn our attention to both college basketball and college football bowl games with Jerry Palm from CBS Sports. And then at 9.05, more on the Grizzlies with DeMichael Cole, the Grizzlies beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. And then at about 9.30, five favorite things, our final five favorite things, not just of the year, ever. And I know we've had a lot of folks that have chimed in on that. They've enjoyed five favorite things over the years. We've enjoyed doing it as well. But as I say, all good things must come to an end. And today, this one's about you. And and I want you to take it seriously. Five favorite things about your life, whatever you want to put down. Five favorite things about your life as we get to know you a little bit more. Hit us up with your lists on the Sports 56 listener lines by texting it at 901 901- 360-8255 or message us your list on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or on the website sportsmemphis.com. Again, we'll do that at about 9.30. That's the lineup for today's show. Kick back, relax, and enjoy. Good morning to you. Good morning. That was a hell of a game last night, right? That was a uh, that was something. Um, <laughs> that was one of those uh, the Grizzlies had no business winning, uh, but a good combined effort by them. And the Pelicans allowed them to do so. Um, that finish, man, I, I thought it was never going to end there at the end of regulation between all the reviews and everything else. Felt like the last, like, really the last second of the game took about 
10 minutes, I think, to play. Um, but yeah, they uh, they they found a way again. Uh, that's you just got to find a way. And the, the New Orleans fans have to be thinking like, what the hell we got to do to beat that team? Like we two in a row that we've had one, and somehow, some way, we end up finding a way to lose. And now they're and they've had that problem all year. They blow fourth quarter leads, but man, oh man, what a uh, it's it's this was one because of the back to back you got coming up, which is going to be really difficult you really wanted to get that one mm-hmm. and uh, nice that they were able to do that yeah willie green helped out the cause i mean some of his uh decision making down the stretch and bringing in subs and bringing in daniels and brevin knight was on top of that on the broadcast he goes go right at jack go right at him with jackson boom they go right at him with jackson i mean it was just some questionable decisions on personnel that he had on the floor but the Grizzlies certainly took advantage of it, but boy, oh boy, did we see vintage Marcus Smart in that second half. We haven't seen a lot of Marcus Smart in a Grizzlies uniform, and that was the first time we saw him with Ja Morant, and boy, did he come up big. I'm sure you stayed up, Zach, and watched that one as well, but my gosh, Marcus Smart, what he brings to the table. Don't look at points. Oh, he didn't score 25 points. That's not his game. He'll score. He'll hit threes, and he did hit a couple of big ones in the second half, but shut down defensively. Did he do a good job or what? Yeah, and that's that's pretty much what you expect from Marcus to come in, you know, come with the team. Because you, cause you're expecting him to replace Dylan's role and to elevate his role. So, yeah, like, I felt, you know, I knew I knew Russ was going to play a factor because, again, he missed like 15 games. But, I mean, once that second half kind of turned for him and he started to make, make some of the plays that he used to make out in Boston – then you, you kind of start to see, you know, the puzzle pieces kind of, you know, fall into place uh, for the Grizzlies. Yeah, he got into passing lanes. He disrupted things for the Pelicans. He took the charge from Zion, who was out of control. He made the strip steal and the bucket down at the other end and the bang. I mean, Marcus Mark came up big. And then Tripp, who missed the second free throw, we would not even be talking about overtime it would have been a Grizzlies win. It would have been point, .4 seconds to go for New Orleans to get a shot off, which they could have gotten a shot off, but more than likely the Grizzlies would have won in regulation. He missed that second free throw, which sucked. But in overtime, he hit two big buckets. So you had that. You had Jod doing his thing. You had Smart. You had Dez. And the Stars came through from Memphis. Well, the, I I mean, getting Marcus Smart, That's he makes winning plays. Yes, he and does. And he's... He doesn't have to take a million shots. He doesn't need the basketball that much. You know, he he can find his way offensively. He played with two unbelievable scorers and players in Boston, so he's used to not being the focal point on offense. Um, but he makes plays. The steal he had on the inbound, where he baited him basically, and then came off his guy mm-hmm. and stole it when they were trying to get it to Valanciunas. Just a fantastic play, just a, a smart play, uh, no pun intended. Uh, but he, you know, he's defensively, he is that guy. He could guard guys bigger than him because of his strength. Um, but he is a hell of a defender. And when you need some offense, he can provide offense and he can knock down shots for you. So um, great to see him back and getting closer to getting all of the pieces that will be available this year. Um, out there together, Luke Kadard, hopefully here in the very near future to add more shooting to this team, which they can use. Um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, when you have, and I'm glad they put Smart right into the starting lineup because this, to me, needs to be your lineup. And, you know, we could worry about the center, whoever plays center 
doesn't really matter, although it'd be nice to get something out of the center position and give uh, Tillman credit last night with five block shots. That's not something you're ever expecting from Xavier Tillman to get five blocks, but but Tillman, because of that, got most of the minutes down the stretch and he became the center. And I'm sure on a nightly basis, that center position could change just based on who might be doing some things that night. Yeah, I thought it was a nice combination. I thought uh, X-Man played really well, especially down the stretch. Uh, early on, Biombo got some rebounds. Vince Williams came off the bench. He had been starting. He certainly contributed. So they held their own. They out-rebounded New Orleans 50-46. to That's not an easy task. When you look at that New Orleans front line, and you have Jonas Valanciunas, you have Zion Williamson, you have Brandon Ingram, that's a big front line. And I thought Memphis did a really good job holding their own. And then, as I said, the stars shined. Ja, 31.7 assists. Dez, 27.7 assists. Tripp ended up with a double-double, 19 points, 10 rebounds. Smart goes for 13, gets you five steals. You mentioned X-Man with five blocks. So it was a it was a total team effort. I know it's a cliche used in sports, but that was a team effort. They come from behind, another come-from-behind win. And you look at what they've done. In their last 10, they're 5-5, five and five, but they've won four straight, all since Ja's return. What's still crazy is when I look at the statistics and I look at the standings and I see that the Grizzlies are 8-8 eight and eight away from home. 8-8. Eight and eight. Think about all the games they missed. Ja, without Ja for 25 games. 8-8 eight and eight away from home. 2-11 and 11 at home. That boggles the mind. It is, it is crazy, um, but hopefully there's a lot more home wins coming in the, uh, their near, the near future. Um, that is for sure. The one that they... I was looking at numbers. They, I don't know what the deal is with the second quarter. They have to figure out this second quarter issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, it this and this is a this was before Ja got back. This is continuing since it's actually gotten worse since Ja got back. I don't. I just don't understand why they are so terrible in the second quarter of games. It, it, there's no because again it it was bad with ja, without Ja, it's bad with Ja. Like I don't I don't know what's going on in the second quarter that makes them by far the worst second quarter team in the league. Yeah, I didn't watch it specifically last night at the start of the second quarter, so I'm not sure if they staggered. How did they line up to start the second quarter and and how did they do it with Ja and Dez and obviously you don't have Derek Rose if you want to use him for a few minutes at point guard. What did they end up doing as far as staggering especially Especially at that point guard position, I, I don't I don't remember what they did last night. It, it's not like this has been a season long thing. I think they've tried, like there's it doesn't. Yes, but Jaws on Jaws playing four games. I know, but it's gotten worse since Jaws been back. And Jaws playing in the second. It's not like and again, even if he when he wasn't, they were terrible second quarter team. Like they have just and they're not terrible. They're not that bad in every other quarter. Like mm. they're great. The fourth quarter since Jaws been back has been. Like mind-blowingly good. Mm-hmm. The second quarter is mind-blowingly bad, but has been all season long. I mean, they are in the second quarter for the season. <coughs> they are um, a minus twenty-one point five net rating. Hmm. So that's twenty-one points per one hundred possessions in the second quarter. They are down to the opponent. The next worst in the NBA is minus 12.6. So they're last by nine points per 100 processions in the second quarter for the season. In the last four, I this, this was their net rating in the four games as Jasmine back in the second quarter. 
They're a minus 48. Well, it, it seems like off the top of my head that you would say the bench isn't good because the bench plays a lot of the second quarter. And starters usually don't start coming back into about five minutes to go before halftime. Now, again, it depends on well, how he staggers his starters. Again, I don't remember what he was, but generally what they've been doing since Jaws were back. Ja goes out midway through the first quarter. Desmond stays in, plays point. Then when they need to take Desmond out, Ja comes in, which usually is right at the either start of the second quarter. I think it's been the start of the second quarter. Sometimes even late in the first quarter. He comes back with like a minute to go. He goes through and plays into the second quarter. Desmond usually comes back in. I want to say, I can't remember exactly when Desmond comes back in, but that's generally been the rotation since Jaws. But back, Ja usually starts the second quarter. And again, I don't remember what they did last night, but he's, and then Desmond's resting, and then they usually come back. And I think they those two usually play together again for a while, and then Ja will go out and Desmond finishes the quarter. Well, again. whatever the case is, you have Ja playing with backups, or you have Des playing with backups. And the bottom line is, is the Grizzlies' backups aren't that good. Now, we're talking about the depleted lineup of backups. When they're at full strength, it's a whole different world. When you have Luke Kennard, when you have Brandon Clark, right? It's different. Vince Williams has now asserted himself as a solid rotation player. But the only thing I can think of is, the Sant- even though Santi's pretty good, there are times he has issues defensively. Zaire, is he's had a couple of moments. Roddy, who actually got back into playing time last night, after some DNPs, there's just not a solid group of backups. That's all I could think of is why you get clobbered in the second quarter. The good news is it happens in the second quarter and not the fourth quarter. But you don't want it to happen at all. So that's something they obviously have to look at and probably are looking at. The fourth quarter, last four, since Jaws been back, they are a plus 36.6 net rating. Wow. They have an offensive rating in the fourth quarter in these four games, of 141.8, which is, by miles, the best in the NBA um, in that. Their offensive rating in the second quarter is 84.7. So from the second quarter to the fourth quarter, comparing just those two quarters, they are 57 points better in the fourth quarter per 100 possessions. Hmm. It's amazing. But they step up. I mean, that's that's a positive way to look at things, right? They're stepping up in crunch time in fourth quarter when games are on the line. By the way, the Grizzlies with the win now double-digit dubs as they go to 10-19. and 19. Right now, if you look at the up-to-date standings, they are four and a half games behind Golden State for that 10th spot. That's the final spot of the play-in, right? 7, 8, 9, 10 are the play-in teams in each conference. So four and a half games out with a long way to go gives you hope. And we talked about this road trip that it was not going to be easy. They got the back-to-backs coming up with Denver and the Clippers. Boy, if they stole one of those two, you would be delighted. But that's why, as you said, the importance of last night's game to get one and then you come back home after the three-game road trip. You play a tough Sacramento team on Sunday before you get the Spurs on Tuesday at home. But yes, four and a half out of the last play-in And you always look at the teams you have to jump. Well, in between Golden State and Memphis right now is Phoenix and Utah. But again, we're only 30 games into the season here. Utah is not a great team, even though they have beaten the Grizzlies seemingly 30 times this year. And Phoenix is having all kinds of problems with the whole Bradley Beal injury situation with that big trio. But Golden State, with 
Draymond Green still out, have been mediocre. And then you look just ahead of them. Lakers are 16 and 15, very good team. And the Rockets, how long will they have um, sustainability power? They're 15 and 13. They're certainly a much improved team. And then the Pelicans are sitting in seventh right now at 17, 14. Grizzlies have just beaten them twice in the last couple of weeks. So what I'm saying is it is not over. It is far from over. I think most people have that feeling now watching this team. I think the players themselves, they were just doing the best they could to buy their time before Jaws return. And there's just a rejuvenation with this team. You can hear it in their voices every time they step to the podium or Fish is interviewing them after the game. There's just this renewed uh, enthusiasm about what they could possibly do that the season is not lost. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I think they always do that once Ja got back, they were a different team and they would have that opportunity. Um, I mean, they won a game where they went 11 for 46 from three point range. Like, they had no business winning last night. <laughs> they they should have probably been blown out. But once they were down by 15, like there's no way um, they should be able to come back. Hell, just at the very end of the game, <laughs> when you're talking about being down by one with 0.4 seconds to go inbounding the basketball, you that's a 99% win rate. I mean, but New Orleans defend like some of the, again, some of the decisions Willie Green made, some of the just stuff that some of their guys did out there was like just mind-blowingly bad stuff. They It took some work from New Orleans to get them there, but the Grizzlies were are good enough now to take advantage of some of those things. Yeah, and again, some of it's on the questionable rotation uh, decisions by Willie Green, in my opinion. But how about the Marcus Smart throw-in to Jaron Jackson Jr., where he was fouled by Jonas Valanciunas, and there was no question he was fouled. He was elbowed in the face. But just that play, that was sensational. Those are winning plays. And again, it shouldn't have gone to overtime if Tripp made both his free throws, and he made all his free throws all night until that one, but he made two big buckets in that overtime session to get the dub. Uh, real quick, one other NBA note from last night. The beat goes on. The Detroit Pistons lose... For the second straight game to Brooklyn at home, 118-112 after losing to them in New York the other day. The Pistons have now lost 27 straight. That's a one-season record that breaks the tie with Philadelphia. But the overall record is Philadelphia 28 over the course of two seasons. So the Pistons, who play the Celtics next, if they lose, which you would think they would, would tie the record. And then with Toronto on the horizon they would break the record with a loss to the Raptors. Congratulations to the Pistons. So we got that going for ourselves. And the good thing nice. for them is the Boston game is on the road, but the Toronto game is back at home. So they get to uh, they continue they they get to make the history fans? in front of the home fans. The fact, I mean, so you want when you're making history, you really want to do it in front of your home fans. They were able to do it last night, and now they get a chance to do it on Saturday night. It, it's this is I mean the schedule really has worked out perfectly for them and for their fans. I mean, I, I don't know what more from a fan's perspective you'd want than to be able to get your seat literally twice in a week, get to see your team on your home floor making history. I'd imagine ticket sales are just amazing for Saturday. Out the roof, no question about it. Don't you look to just make a bunch of deals if you're Detroit? Uh, I'm sure they're looking at anything they could possibly come up with at this point. If you were the Grizzlies and you're looking for the future, and I don't know what's possible, obviously, with contracts and things of that nature, does Jalen Jalen Duran do, do anything for you? Uh, like, for the future? Even though he's not the biggest big man, he plays like one of the biggest big men. I would guess that Jalen Duran is one of the guys they would be 
wanting to hold on to. Mm-hmm. I would think Kate Cunningham, Jalen Duran. Oh, that's um, what they all have now. <laughs> are are two of the, the untouchables? The guys that they're going to. Well, it would take an awful lot, I'm guessing, to get that. Well, they have Thompson now, right? He's a rookie. They still have Jaden Ivey. I don't know if they've given up on him. It's just amazing. Hey, if you're ready for a new Silverado, All-Star Chevy and Olive Branch has financing down to 1.9 or up to 10,000 cash. Plus, make no payment for 90 days because your good credit deserves it. You can check out all the red tag deals on Tahoe's, Equinox, Trailblazers when you head down to Olive Branch. Families love the Traverse with the third row seating so you can travel in style and luxury anywhere you want. Uh, Holiday trips, yeah, absolutely. What are you driving in the new year? You should be driving one of these beautiful vehicles from All-Star Chevrolet. Military, teachers, college students, healthcare workers, you get an extra $500 bonus. If you want a certified pre-owned Chevy or any pre-owned, All-Star is loaded up for you. If it's not there on the lot, ask Jeff. He'll find it for you. Kevin and Jeff want to wish everybody a happy new year. Uh, On um, their behalf, a Merry Christmas, obviously. And uh, this week will be a busy week for them. So if you're looking for a vehicle for 2024, make sure to head on down to All-Star Chevrolet in Olive Branch. Remember, it's not South Haven, not Mount Moriah, Bartlett or Collierville. It's got to be Olive Branch. Find new roads to All-Star Chevy today or go to allstarautogroup.com. When we come back, we're talking AutoZone Liberty Bowl game. The head coach of the Memphis Tigers, Ryan Silverfield, joins us next. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Be sure to follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. It has been a long season, but it has been a successful season once again for the Memphis Tigers football team, and it culminates in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game on Friday against Iowa State. And it's time now to talk to Coach Silverfield. It's time to talk Memphis Tigers football. It's Sports 56 Morning's weekly visit with Tigers head coach Ryan Silverfield. Brought to you by ATC Fitness, with 18 locations in Memphis and the Mid-South. Now, here's Coach Silverfield with Greg and Eli. He is the head coach of the Memphis Tigers. He is Ryan Silverfield. You can follow him on Twitter at rsilverfield. Good morning, Coach. Morning, guys. How are y'all? Doing fantastic. Uh, happy holidays to you. Look, this time of the year, we always wonder. All right, who's who's into this thing? Who's into the bowl game? It seems like every year, because I'm around you guys, I know that you guys are fired up to have this opportunity to play a Big Twelve team. Seems like it's all smiles when I see the guys talk about this game. How has it gone so far for you in your preparations and now in your final preps for the game on Friday? Yeah, you're exactly right. I think we're looking out throughout college football, and this year more now than ever, it's which team really wants it, which which players are still available, mm-hmm. um, who's going to go out there with the inspiration to go out there and, and have success in, in one last time. So our, our guys have been wonderful. They've had the right mindset, the right approach, just like they have all year, regardless of the game. Uh, I've been pleased with their effort and their focus, and 
you know, the preparation's going well. You know, we're winding down as we get closer. We'll have our um, walkthrough this morning at, at our facility, and then tomorrow will be our last run-through. And, and then, before you know it, we'll be kicking off at 2.30 on Friday and sitting in Spank Liberty Stadium for the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. But the guys are very excited. They understand the opponent uh, and the ability to go get 10 wins. I think that's something, you know, to be one of the top five teams in program history and wins uh, would be huge. How different does it make it bowl week when you are at home, when you're in your own facility, when you're going to be playing in your own stadium? Uh, does it make it easier? What kind of differences does it make compared to a normal bowl week? Sure. And, you know, that was a question whether our guys would be, uh, you know, excited about the opportunity to, hey, we're just going to drive a few minutes downtown and, and stay at this beautiful Sheridan on the river. Um, you know, a little bit different than loading a plane full of 200 people and going to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guys, their guys have been great. They've uh, they've handled the right way there. They're excited. I think the you know the understanding of what our stadium is about, having our great fans here, uh, making it easier for them and affordable for them to attend a game rather than having to travel. Um, I think those are all advantages. Right, being able to use our own locker room, um, not only at the stadium but at the facility as well. So there's all those perks and positives. Um, so a lot of our guys were excited. You know, it was able to give them Christmas Day off. A lot of them were able to spend time with their coaches. You know, at their homes or even you know travel to local players' homes and spend the holidays with them. So all those things, I think, have made it worthwhile and uh, couldn't be more excited. You talked about this time of the year with opt-outs. You just don't know about particular teams. I mean, we're looking at Florida State's down 19 players for their game against Georgia. You've had a couple, but not a lot. Iowa State, I haven't heard much about that. This seems like also a team that is excited to be in Memphis. They were in 2017 when you guys played them. So I would imagine this is going to be one of those bowl games where I think both teams bring their best. So with that said, what are your expectations against this Big 12 opponent? Yeah, we've had a handful of starters that have elected to go uh, try the transfer portal, and that's okay. That's where we're at in college football. Um, Iowa State has uh, really not lost uh, anybody's substance, at least on the surface, none of their starters mm-hmm. um, have appeared to do this. So I know they're excited. It's a Big 12 opponent that um, has had a lot of success. You, you know, you just all you need to do is go back and watch their last game on the road at Kansas State, um, where their young running back ran for over 200 yards. Um, where you know they, they play stifling defense. That they've led the Big 12 in defense back to back years. It's we're gonna have our hands full. They're a very talented team. Uh, Coach Campbell, you know. And Coach Haycock, their D coordinator, have been there for a long time. Have had a lot of success, um, and, and they're they're, they're going to be playing inspired football as well. So um, we're going to come out swinging like we always do. Our guys got great belief in what we're capable of, and, and really excited about this matchup. You mentioned that that defense, and that, yeah, year after year they produce a really good defense. Uh, they've had 16 interceptions this year, which is among the top 10 in the country. I think three of their defensive backs were all Big 12 selections. So uh, what is it about this defense that makes them so good? What do you have to be able to do against them? Yeah, they're very consistent. They're a 3-3-5 defense, um, but they they're you know, they play with a middle safety, and he is a free hitter that comes down and makes plays, but then it, it changes up your reads, right? You're not sure, hey, is that middle safety? Are they trying to play a cover three? All of a sudden, is he playing a Tampa two? Uh, are they rolling down some type of three-week coverage? And so they do a great job of being able to disguise it, and then they feel like their three guys up front can be able to handle it. And so I think that's one of the things why they've had success. And, and here's the deal. It's not just a flash in the plan. It's year after year after year. Um, Tiger fans will remember in 2017 um, when we rolled out on the field with the right guys like Daryl Henderson and Tony Pollard and 
um, lots of good players, Anthony Miller, and um, they held us to 20 points. You know, and uh, so look, we're gonna we're gonna have to do it. We gotta be consistent. We have to own the football. I showed our team just even. You know, Christmas, I asked him how many of those guys watch the NFL games. And, you know, and I showed him the stats in the Baltimore uh, Ravens, San Francisco 49ers football game. And in every category, except for turnovers, the 49ers dominate. And I just said, look, this game is going to come down to that. And Iowa State has done a fantastic job of capitalizing on turnovers, and we're going to have to own the football, play effectively. And, you know, and for our defense, um, obviously we're down our defense coordinator. Um, we got to go out there and tackle better than we ever have. Ryan Silverfield joining us, head coach of the University of Memphis Tigers football team, gearing up for Friday's AutoZone Liberty Bowl game against Iowa State. You mentioned you had a couple of starters opt out. They happen to be on the offensive line, uh, protecting for Ryan, for protecting for Seth, excuse me, and then to get that running game going is of utmost importance. Is that the biggest concern going in? Is maybe being a, a lack of a, a players, let's just say numbers on the offensive line. Well, I think any time, you know, those opportunities where you always want to have continuity at every position, but any time you get a chance to have five guys playing together time and time again is huge. And mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, that's where we're at, right? Um, really, the starting left tackle and starting right guard uh, are no longer with the program. Um, and so we got guys that can step up and, and do a nice job. We've shuffled some of the guys. And uh, great, great, great faith, right? Coach Myers, actually, our offensive line coach, was at Iowa State for five years. Um, but I, I believe wholeheartedly, and so does the entire offense and those guys that we're going to put up front to handle the run game and also protect the quarterback, and uh, they're going to do an excellent job. The Iowa State's got a young quarterback, um, a freshman quarterback, but he started every game this year. So what uh, what do you see out of their offense? Yeah, so uh, always so, redshirt freshman, I think he's the same age as our three-year starting quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, always, I always go back to that because everybody's like, he's so young. I'm like, really? Well, he's the same age as our guy. <laughs> We're so used to hearing about the 26-year-old that's age. Yeah, know, exactly. Uh, you know, going into year 12, and uh, I can't make too many jokes about that because we had one that was getting his doctorate. So anyway, so all that being said. There you go. <laughs> um, you know, I think their offense is going to line up, and I think they're going to try to line up in 12 personnel and, and big bodies and try to run it down our throat and try to take shots. I mean, I think that's what they do. they got some big-body wide receivers. Um, they got length at tight end. But I think they're going to line up and say, okay, hey, we're a big 12 team. Um, we feel like we're bigger and, and stronger than you. We're going to line up and, and try to run it down your throat and then take play-action shots. And I, I believe that's what the game plan we're getting. I don't mind saying that because we've got to be able to line up and stop it. And, um, you know, there's sometimes a season we have and other times where we haven't. And uh, if we're not able to do it, then it's going to be, you know, a tough sled on Friday afternoon. But our guys are up for the challenge for sure. As you have prepared your team for this battle on Friday, uh, you completed the early signing period being uh, extremely excited about the class you got coming in. I know you addressed the media, I think it was last week, but just a real brief uh brief recap for our listeners out there, Ryan. I know that uh, you were smiling ear to ear with the job you guys were able to do, both with the portal and then obviously with incoming freshmen and junior college players. Yeah, look, that's the, um, that's where we're at. I, it's, uh, I do smile when you say early signing, because I don't know if we're signing anybody in February. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's space. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think uh, you got to find the mixture. I think you can't sit there and say, hey, we're not going to take any high school kids. Hey, we're only taking transfer or the other way around. So we tried to uh, dive into each bucket, right? we got a handful of high school guys we're really excited about. Uh, I believe this is probably the best incoming freshman wide receiver class we've ever put together. Four guys we got a lot of excitement for. Um, 
you know, just, and, and, and you know, a lot of good pieces to that puzzle with that fret incoming freshman. I still think that's how you build a program, develop them. Hopefully, <laughs> get mm-hmm. to keep them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be interesting when we have this conversation in four or five years. How many of those guys are right. still within the program? Um, hopefully, quite a few. But then you, you look at, you know, you still got to be able to take advantage of junior colleges. And I think, obviously, having those great Mississippi junior colleges close by has been helpful to us. And then, right, the transfer portal. Uh, it's something you got to take advantage of. You know, and I don't mind sharing with listeners. Obviously, we're going to have some guys who can go in the portal um, after a bowl game. Mm-hmm. That, that's the way it works, and um, you know, it's a numbers game, right? You, you, everybody wants to add all these guys, but at some point, <laughs> it, it, I don't think we're allowed to go in the next season with 160 guys. Um, <laughs> you know, this isn't Junction Boys where we're allowed to go out there and just get, get, as, many, get as many as we want on the field and figure it out. So, um, but no, it, it very excited. Credit to our coaching staff. Um, and the sports staff and the recruiting department, everybody involved, they did a phenomenal job. And kind of like I said at media day, um, recruiting to Memphis has become, uh, I don't want to say easy, but it, it just sells itself. We got, you know, our university, what we'll be able to do with the internships, our graduation rate within our football program, the people, the city itself. Um, I'm so pleased, you know, we put it all together and put together a wonderful class. You talked about, obviously, losing your defensive coordinator, so you've got an interim D.C. That, when that happens, how do you kind of decide on who's going to be doing that, and how does that work for that staff going into this bowl game? Yeah, you know, so the first time I got thrust into that was we, um, the Cotton Bowl, right? You know, hey, by the way, you're losing the guy that calls it the offensive <laughs> plays. You're losing the guy that calls it the defensive plays. Good luck. Um, and so, you know, I think that's one of those things, Eli, that we're going to see, you know, moving forward, right? You're always yep. going to have staff turnover. And I think I always quote it because I think it's important for fans to understand. I think there's over 500 Division One coaches and just Division One alone position coaches that changed jobs last year. So if that's where we're at. It's kind of like the portal for players and coaches. Um, but, you know, going in, I looked and said, okay, how, how can we get the staff? And that, that's the great thing is, you know, Charles Clark, um, Kyle Pope and Jordan Hankins have all been with us uh, for at least three years. And so that's huge because, you know, it's one thing if you had a guy that doesn't understand or had just kind of been there briefly, but they all work together great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think we got to be smart with giving our guys what they can handle. I mean, it's not like we're, you know, some people think we're out there practicing every day for a month. You know, they, they had some time off with exams and, you know, just to get their bodies back right. So go out there and try to just execute what we've done all season, but at a higher level. And uh, we've got to be able to go out in there and do that. And, um, but credit to the, those guys. They've, you know, a man down on the defensive side, but they've done a nice job of rallying together, and uh, hopefully we can see it with the product on the field. All right, before we let you go, we, we've talked about the future of college football and maybe things that would make it better, and right now they're kind of uh, at a crossroads to try to I- improve the game. In a perfect world, wouldn't it be better to have everything after the bowl games? I mean, everything. Coaches can't move. Players can't go into a portal. There's no early recruiting maybe until January. Have all the bowl games. Have the playoffs all completed. And then you have uh, mass hysteria. Because to have mass hysteria while it's all going on, I think it devalues some of these games as well. What would, what would you do, Ryan, to change it, to make it better? Yeah, Greg, I mean, that's great. I, th- I think that's the magic thing. You know, um, anytime a head coach gets on and complains about the way college football is, the media will snap back and say, well, you make so much money, so be quiet. And, you know, you get guys like Dave Clawson, guys that have, you know, they're intelligent, they've done it at a high level, they're just trying to speak out respectively, trying to find ways to make this. Right. Because um, the reality of it is, um, this is not good for the game. And what we're doing, and we can sit there and say it's great for player rights and um 
I, I understand all that. I get that, right? I, I, I understand that, you know, there's battles that will continue. I always want what's best for the players, I think. NIL is great, and I think the ability to transfer. But it seems like they've kind of just thrown their hands up in the end and said, hey, let's let it be what it is. Mm-hmm. And um, I think you talk to any head coach throughout college football, and, you know, and at some point we got to say, hey, head coaches, stop complaining, figure it out. But it, this is not this is not the right way to go about things. There's There's no... It's not just, we keep saying it's not sustainable. It's not, you know, I mean, when you're working more hours, um, you know, on December 22nd than you are uh, August 22nd, there's, I don't know, uh, excuse me, you know, if that's necessarily the right thing. But again, we're, I do believe there's, is there a way to get all the bowl games moved up a couple weeks? Um, I don't know if that's possible because you do have exams, you still have student athletes. I still believe in the education piece of this. Um, and how do you get more players playing these bowls? Um, I think, you know, we're always going to have challenges, and I think there's, you know, I don't know if there's one answer. Mm-hmm. I wish I had that. I, I do wish there was some uh, a semblance of normalcy. I mean, literally, you know, you wake up three days ago and there's a new rule change that totally throws everything <laughs> for a loop, and right. the person ma- made that rule change has never once sat or laid foot on a football field, and it, it drastically changes the way you go about things. Um and that's where we're at. And so, you know what? Instead of sitting here and saying boo-hoo, mm-hmm. you get ahead of it and, and you put your foot on the gas and you say, okay, good. All right, instead of let's work 120 hours this week and let's go find the best players. Let's put together the best game plan. Let's go. Um, yeah, I mean, it just it's turned into mass hysteria. Um, but you, you can't can't back away from it. You just got to jump to the fire. So guess what? I, I've thrown everything I got into this thing, and it, uh, <laughs> it may kill right. me. Right. Uh, that's what we're doing. Hey. Um, I, I, ho- I hope on the... 30th, maybe I can close my eyes for a few hours and then wake back up. Get, cat nap. Get a cat nap in there, Ryan. That's all you need. So you, you guys are the visitors technically in this game. So have you had like a practice run out of the locker room and going right rather than going left? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, guess what? But usually I'm the one that leads them out of the locker room. Maybe I'll let somebody else. <laughs> we'll probably have to have the uh, whoever, like, hey, can we get the, uh, the, the cheerleaders in the band to kind of turn us to that way so there's no... Uh, I'm going to have to keep reminding myself because, you know, you veer left for eight straight years and all of a sudden, um, but one last time, hey, let's veer right. Um, they mean no, signs so. out there, but there, there still will be for those who, who want to be there for it. There will be a Tiger walk. It just won't be through Tiger Lane. It'll be through the, the silver parking lot. Is that correct, Ryan? That is correct. I don't know the exact logistics of it, but yeah, there's going to be a Tiger walk, and we'd love to have our fans out there early. I mean, it means so much to our guys. Uh, to be out there, especially in such a meaningful bowl game. Um, if they can get out there and, and support, it always means the world to our guys. All right. Well, listen, nothing but success to you. We'll see you out there on Friday. Re- really appreciate your time. We know how busy your schedule is. Absolutely appreciate you guys. Looking forward to seeing all of our Tiger fans at the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Happy holidays. Go Tigers. Thank you, Coach. Ryan Silverfield, head coach of the Memphis Tigers. Tigers in Iowa State on Friday. Yeah. the I think we're all in agreement about the benefits for players, name, image, likeness. I think we're all on, on board with that. I mean, I know there's some kookiness as far as that's concerned, but most people understand where we are now. The problem is the calendar. The calendar is out of whack. That needs to be fixed. It won't be. It may not be, but that needs to be fixed. It's, that could cure a lot of the ills. The um, I just don't know what... Uh, you know, they're not moving the bowl games. Because ESPN wants the pro, this is the big week that ESPN wants the programming between Christmas and New Year's. Um, they're so they're not moving the bowl games around. 
And I don't know how you, you're not ever going to just, you're not going to limit the coaches from leaving. Like you're not going to say like, you can't leave. <laughs> There's just never, that's never going to happen. Just have a moratorium it, on it, any movement in December. But again, I, how? Like you can't tell schools know. they can't hire people. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you can. Maybe no, you can no, do you, it. I mean, that would be shot down in a second. You can't tell us we can't hire people during the month of December at our school. We run a university. You we hire who we want to hire. But you certainly can tell players that there's no portal open in December. You could also but tell if, players. But if you're going to allow the coaches to move, then we're going to tell the players they can't move. Like it, it's, it's the never-ending thing. Yeah, but it, it is whacked right now. It really is. The folks over at East Coast Wings and Grill, they will have the Tigers bowl game on on Friday. they got all the bowl action going on all week long and a lot of bowl action during the day, early evening, during happy hour where you can take advantage of those special prices, the two-for-one on the draft beers, bucket specials, and much, much more. And a lot of folks are off this week enjoying some uh, free time. Well, get on over to East Coast Wings and Grill, watch the bowl games, watch all the, of course, Grizzlies action, Tigers basketball action as well. All the games are always on at East Coast Wings and grill and while you're there you can enjoy some of their great wings they've got 60 different flavors for you to choose from beyond the wings they've got so many other great items on the menu the wonderful flatbreads the burgers other sandwiches you can find it all at a great menu at east coast wings and grill 24 draft beers on tap plus any other drinks that you need they'll take good care of you at east coast wings and grill located just off highway 64 kate hyde boulevard it's a street that runs off highway 64 right between lowe's and walmart i'm sure Many people have been by there over the last few weeks doing some Christmas shopping in that area. Well, uh, get back over there. Check them out at East Coast Wings and Grill. We'll talk some more college football when we return. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. We are Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM, as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Everybody's working for the weekend. My bowl viewing experience has been minimal to this point. It will start to, it will start to gear up here in the uh, next few days. Got a call from Jarvis Greer there. Um, but anyway, it was Kansas and it was UNLV last night, and they played a wild one late game last night in the guaranteed rate bowl. So Barry Odom's UNLV Rebels, which had a really good season, got beat by Kansas 49-36. to Jason Bean with a six-touchdown game for the Jayhawks. Yeah, that, was a, that, that line kept dropping all day yesterday. I have no idea why, but it, it went from like 13 down to 8 because they weren't sure if Bean was going to play. Wasn't that and, the story? I have no idea. I don't care enough to look it up. Um, and I'm not betting a bowl game. As so, long as you're not gambling on so it, right? I don't, uh, I'm not that dumb. So, But I, I just saw that it kept dropping and dropping and dropping. But in the end, they end up covering that. The eight, I guess, if it, I don't know if it was ever over 13. Um, if it was, then you got a bad, that's a, that's a rough one if you took it at over 13 and you had Kansas. Uh, 85 points total in that game, so a high-scoring affair. Also, Texas State beat Rice 45-21. to 
I heard a stat from that game. This was the first responder bowl played at SMU's home stadium where the Memphis Tigers played in last year. They said that was the largest attended game of the year. So out of all the SMU home games, including you know some big games, important games in the conference, uh, they were outdrawn by Texas State and Rice and their fans. Uh, Bowling Green, Minnesota. You talk about a game that I couldn't care less about. Minnesota, they rode the boat, I guess. 30-24, to 24, Minnesota wins in the quick lane bowl. So they, had, they rode the boat well in bowl games. I think that's seven straight. Seven straight for Minnesota? Mm-hmm. So today you have four games. You have Virginia Tech and Tulane in the military bowl. That will be at 1 o'clock. But you do not have Michael Pratt. Willie Fritz has obviously moved on to Houston. So I don't know what type of Tulane team we'll see. You have North Carolina and West Virginia in the Duke's Mayo Bowl with the pouring of the Mayo onto the head coach, the winning coach, which is sick. Both teams at 8-4. and four. You have Louisville and USC. Louisville, 15th ranked. USC, no Caleb Williams, 7-5. and five, Disappointment for Lincoln Riley. That's the Holiday Bowl. And then Texas A&M and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is 20th ranked. That's the Texas Bowl. Texas A&M supposedly missing half their team. Limited amount of players, actually, for the game is what they said. 55 players dressed or something like that. Crazy for football. They've had a lot lot leave, especially when you have a coaching change. That certainly is going to happen. Um, and that's uh, that has hit Texas A&M this year. But, again, it's just part of... It's the part of college. It's part of college football these days. That's just it is what it is. That's why I mean, we can talk until we're blue in the face about oh, this. They should do this. They should. Do. There, there's very little they can do. Guys are going to continue to opt out. Um, there's nothing you can do about that, really. I mean, it just it, it is what it is. Like you just have to accept college football and 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 the bowl games. Accept them for what they are, which. They've been exhibitions for a long time. They continue to be exhibitions, except for a few. At least starting next year, we will have more games that do matter. Um, so that's that's a good thing. Which will, I think, broaden the divide between the bowls that matter and don't matter. And also, there is something you can do. Again, with the players, you can do something about it. Because the players right now, I'm not talking about the Caleb Williams of the world. I'm not talking about the Jaden Daniels, the guys that are getting ready for the NFL and they don't want to play in the bowl game because it's not a playoff game. I understand that, right? They're getting ready for the draft or maybe they're getting ready for the senior bowl, whatever the case may be. But it's all these other dudes that are leaving. They're not able to reap the rewards of their team and all the hard work, all the sweat put in all season long to play in the bowl game, to get their swag bag and all that good stuff. They are able to if they want to. No. They really can't because they want to be able to have a better situation for them next year with a team where maybe they become starter or maybe they become a player who gets more playing time. So they are thrust into this situation that they probably shouldn't be in if the calendar was better. If they did not allow these players to enter the portal until after the bowl season was done, it would be a lot easier. I don't understand that. So therefore, you have all these players. Davian Carter wouldn't have left Memphis and gone to Texas. Texas Tech, McKaylin Pounders wouldn't, McKaylin Pounders would not have left and gone to where Mississippi State. Not this early. Not if you had a moratorium about uh, against these guys moving on. And so it's only going to get worse and worse and worse. And again, with more playoff games, more importance on those games, less importance on the actual bowl games themselves. 
The, so I, don't, I don't see that at all. Like the, I, I do. The other bowl games are the other bowl games, and they will continue to be the other bowl games. Like there's just yeah, more here, playoff here's games. My, my thought is this: there's been two playoff games and then a championship game. So if you want your your fill of football, there's a lot more games to watch, and you do watch them. But if there's all of a sudden you're watching, how many playoff games will there be next year with 12 teams? There'll be do the there's 11. The math. There's 11. There's 11 games as opposed to three. So there's 11 games, and now you're like, you know, I've seen enough football. I don't need to see the quick lane bowl. I don't need to see but the these, Mayo these, bowl. these bowl games all happen before those playoff games. Like, so you're like, who cares? You either gonna watch, you're either going to watch for your team or not, or because you're gambling well, you'll on the watch game. For, you'll, well, that's true. You'll, the the you'll, AutoZone Liberty Bowl will be the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. It's the same thing. Like, it's just, I'm good. It's better because we have more games that do mean, but right now it's no secret that the New Year's Six games are better matchups than these others. So people are more likely to watch them than they are the others. There, there's a reason why 2017 had great attendance and excitement to see Iowa State play Memphis. And in 2023, those numbers are going to be down. I'm not saying there's not still excitement. In fact, this yeah, is because one Iowa State doesn't want to play Memphis matchups. Again. That has nothing to do with how many well, teams are in the playoffs. And Memphis fans don't want to go and see their team play in their own stadium. I mean, there's going to be a certain amount of people. That has nothing to do with how many teams are in the playoff, though. I, I still think you can get oversaturated with games. And if you have important games compared to non-important games, the important games are always going to take precedent. It's like having you know a bunch of regular season and, and that's games what it is and right NBA now. playoff games. You're gonna you care more about the playoff games than the regular season. Yeah, and that's what it is we have right now. We're just going to have more playoff games now. I just think there's more of a division. But I still think the biggest problem is allowing these players to hit a portal in between the end of the regular season and the bowl games. It devalues the bowl games. But again, as you said, and, and this is absolutely right on, the networks, all they care about is programming. They don't care if there's seven people in the seats at the actual stadium. All they care about is that their eyeballs watching their games, and buying the products that are advertised on those games. That's all they care about. This is the best program ESPN could have this time of year. They're, they can't put any live college basketball on that's going to beat the bowl games. Like The bowl games are the best programming they can have. It's easy for them. That's why they have, that's why they own so many bowls. Like they, all they want is that programming. You're not, they're gonna, not going to move it. This week is the most important week for bowl games for them. So they're not moving them. They want them to fill this week of programming for them and a little bit before Christmas as well. That's what they're there for. Well, it's not and like, that's not changing. It's not like they're the greatest numbers, these games. Let's be but honest. But they're better here. than anything else ESPN because could put on. All they would have is repeat stuff. You're absolutely right. All they would have is repeat, you know, 30 for 30s, all kinds of stuff like that. So they have fresh, brand new programming. And again, it does better than live college basketball this time of year. I know. They, they, it's college football. Bowl games are as, there's nothing they can put on better. So you're not going to convince ESPN, hey, get rid of those bowl games. Move them somewhere oh, else know. and put this on that, in its that place. That genie ain't going back into the bottle. I understand that. But you can do something about the mass exodus of players at this time. This hour of our program is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware, corner of White Station and Quince is where you'll find them. Go by and see them. You've got uh, some projects you're trying to get done for the holiday season around the house while you've got some time off. Well, they've got everything you need and a great staff to help you find it. Of course, the Benjamin Moore paints, massive selection of paints, but all the tools, everything you need for any DIY project, you'll find it at East Memphis Ace Hardware, corner of White Station and Quince. We will open up Hour 2 talking Memphis Tigers basketball. Assistant Coach Andy Borman will join us. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.